In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was... <laughs> it's all good, because the Lord is just... He's bringing so many things together today. So, yeah, today is this weird kind of lesson on the hunter, farmer, farmer, sorry. Every once in a while, my New Yorker comes back, farmer. My, my hunter, farmer. Or you can just listen to Naomi speaking, right? She's like born with a New York accent somehow. I don't know how. It's, it's actually genetic. It's in the water. It's in the water and the pizza in New York. You just get it in. Right, Bill? You just, it, your kids just come out talking like a New Yorker. Hunter-farmer dilemma. Farmer. All right. So the hunter-farmer. I can't even say that. You can read it. Let's, uh, let's open up to Matthew 6.34. We're going to try to uh, bring some light into the notion of anxiety and where it comes from and what's going on in a little bit of a different way, um, partially because it's just kind of how my brain operates and partially because I've heard a lot of teachings on anxiety and fear and what is usually said is, do not worry. Well, thank you. Okay, I got it. Now what? Pray. Okay. Okay, now what? Because <laughs> I'm still anxious, right? Um, so let's open up. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 34 says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Imagine many of us know that scripture verse, especially those who have gone through anxious uh, times. Uh, it's a very uh, powerful verse in the understanding, and we're going to get back to it. But before we get there, why is there... I don't know idea what's going on. Okay. Uh, but before we get into that, I believe in order to really understand at a deeper level anxiety and fear, uh, which uh, John did an awesome job yesterday, uh, yesterday last week, um, is to understand a little bit about who we are. Because I really think that people process anxiety uh, differently um, based upon who they are. And so, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever gotten into conversations about different types of people, Right. Uh, there are like normal people who I would suggest are dog people. <clears throat> and then like those lesser normal people who are cat people. <laughs> Both. Hey, you're just awesome. Um, yeah, so you know, you ever have these conversations when you're a kid or a teenager or whatever, you're like, oh, you know, like there's different types of people. Are you a cat person or a dog person? You guys ever have silly conversations like that? No? All right. Some of us have. It's, it's just notion of like, you know, if, if mankind can be broken down in different types, like what types are there? Like, are you a dog person or a cat person? And if you really think about it, like people that have dogs and people that have cats, they, they have a tendency to be different. I, I don't, can't say all the time, uh, but, you know, there's kind of like this, this mojo going on with that, right? No? Okay. Well, if that doesn't work, how about this type of person? Are you a mountain or beach person? All right. So, fine. Not the dog cat thing, but the beach mountain thing. So, how many people here, you're like, oh, I'm a beach person. I totally would rather go to the beach. All right. How many here are mountain people? Much rather go to the mountains. I'd rather not deal with the sun and the sand and the heat and the everything. You guys are just complicating things, you know, both dog and cat. All right, so 
I'm tr- trust me, I'm not trying to create a schism in the church, but there's probably no greater question that will divide mankind into what type of person you are. Forget about dog cat. Forget about Beach Mountain. There is nothing that will split people up then. Come on. Ice cream. Vanilla or chocolate? Vanilla. Totally vanilla. And chocolate? Vanilla? Like, I feel like when you eat chocolate, like I'm always thirsty after. I'm like, I need like a gallon of water now. Like, I'm like, oh, cho- no? All right. Like I said, I'm trying not to, I don't want to create a church split. So we'll, we'll quickly move past this. But, uh, you know, there are different types of people that process things in different ways. Their desires, their wants, all of this. Uh, but really, what I felt the Lord was kind of downloading to me uh, is something along the lines of two types of people, uh, which is actually known uh, in, in some kind of pseudoscience uh, as the hunter-farmer hypothesis. Uh, so we have the hunter above. And then my favorite farmer down below is, is why he's, he's my favorite is because his name's Joel Salatin. Uh, he defines himself as an evangelical, born-again, lunatic, libertarian farmer. I'm like, can I be you? Right? Uh, he, uh, he, he lives down in Virginia. He's a believer, but uh, his big thing is trying to steward the earth and to restore God's creation and have holistic, good, healthy food for people. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. Uh, he's, he's featured in a documentary called Food, Inc., which anyone who's serious about food, you absolutely need to watch. It's phenomenal. And the other reason why I like it is because I truly do believe that he is the actual missing twin of Alan Kirkpatrick. <laughs> like, they look exactly the same. Although he doesn't do jujitsu, so he's heavier than you, right? right? But they look a lot alike. It's, it's freaky, actually. All right, so what are we getting at here? Actually, uh, I was doing some uh, research and some studying. Uh, something very fascinating, at least I found to be fascinating, is that there's a theory out there that actually we hear now in the 21st century uh, that there are different types of people, not vanilla and chocolate people, not dog, cat people, but actually those people that are more ingrained to be hunters and those that are more ingrained to be farmers. And it seems a little weird, uh, but not really, uh, because up until quite recently in human record, for thousands and thousands of years, uh, mankind were hunters and gatherers, right? Uh, and that DNA that was in them has been passed on to, to us and has continued to us today. And something happened a couple thousand years ago. Uh, it is argued to be outside of maybe the giving of the law to Moses or outside of uh, Jesus coming, one of the most monumental changes in human history. Uh, and that is going to be what is called the agricultural revolution. So what happens here is uh, several thousand years ago, uh, mankind discovered that he ha- we, we can domesticate animals uh, and that we can, in fact, save seeds and farm. That was not always the process of humanity. For a very long time, we were hunting, we were gathering, uh, and then we know what happened was, is we, we figured out ways to really farm uh, and to domesticate animals. And we see that even in, in the Bible. Um, and so what we have here is this. Uh, the way of the hunter uh, is no longer needed. Um, and maybe even the way of our farming ancestors are no longer needed. And what is really kind of meant by this is this, that 
So maybe back in the day, some of us would be more prone to go out on the hunt, leave for days on end. Some of us would be more prone to stay back at home and farm and, and be with the village. But essentially the way that we were designed is that some of us would have to go out and some of us would have to hunt and some of us would have to go to war. Some of us would have to do that. And some of us would have to take care of business at home. And so one of the, the theories here in this is that actually this could be a large part for uh, various things. Uh, one thing, don't worry, we're going to get biblical soon. Uh, one of those things is maybe even the rise of ADD and ADHD. Um, some of the attention deficit disorders uh, is argued that, you know, those kids that have that ADD, you're, you're throwing them in a sedentary lifestyle, especially uh, little boys, right? You're telling them like, hey, go sit at a desk for eight hours. Um, mankind has not done that until about 100 years ago. So you're taking that seven-year-old, eight-year-old, you're like, sit down, be a farmer. Don't go out on the hunt. Don't run around. Don't get all that energy out. And so there's a theory here that some of us who may actually struggle with certain anxieties, certain addictions, and even some of our focus, uh, maybe because we would have been really well-suited for the days of the hunt. And now we don't need the hunters anymore because we can just go to the grocery store. And that may actually be doing something. And I know this may be a little strange, but I feel and I believe that this type of understanding of, all right, are you more prone to be of this more hunter mentality or more of this farmer mentality uh, is really going to explain the root of where your anxieties are coming from in some way. So I can just go up here and be like, don't worry, the Lord is going to take care of everything, pray. And you'd be like, yeah, I've done that, bro. Like, it hasn't changed. Okay. I think that we can get to a little bit more of a root of understanding of where some of our anxieties may be coming from. So, to have a little fun, because you're allowed to have fun in the house of the Lord, amen? Let's take a test. Yeah, right, fun, right? So, here we are, the hunters are like, oh, a test, I don't like tests. One of the things here is, uh, if you were... Uh, good in school, like if you liked going to school, it's probably a good chance that you are of more of this kind of farming uh, mindset in your genetic code, maybe even. So uh, the, the font is pretty small, but I'm going to read it to you. Again, I'd take out uh, your bulletin, maybe a pen. Uh, I'm going to read column one and then column two. You're just going to write down, are you, for that particular question, are you more number one or are you more number two? All right, you're more number one if, do you constantly monitor your environment? You're always like looking around and checking things out. Or, the, for the same question, number two is you're not easily distracted from the task at hand. Right? So a one would be like you're always distracted, like you're at a restaurant and you're like all over the place. You know, your kids, your wife are like, what's going on? You're like all over. Uh, or number two, you're not easily distracted from the task at hand. Like you can get like really focused and, and, and it's fine. All right, second question. You're able to throw themselves into the chase on a moment's notice. This is the type of person where like, you know, you just woke, wake up one morning and you're like, you're really fascinated by the hunter-farmer uh, dilemma. So you now spend like the next two hours, you know, researching the internet into the depths of the internet. And before you know it, you're like, oh my goodness, like two hours just went by. What did I just do? Like at a moment's notice, you could be like, boom, on something and you cannot be distracted. You're totally, absolutely zoned in on something. 
Or column two, number two, able to sustain a steady, dependable effort. Like you're able to like work on something for a little bit. All right, you know, we now need to go to the store, right? And now you can come back to it. My wife knows like if there's like a mission to be completed at the house, it's like I, I will not eat. Like I literally will not eat until it's done. Like I can't stop. I'm like, I got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. Once it's done, then I can stop and I can eat. Right? So that would be number one type of person. Number two type of person is, Dude, it's all right. Just, you know, you paint half of the room. Go get some dinner. I'm like, no, I'm going to paint the whole room. Like, come on, we got to paint the whole room. Then we can stop and eat. Right? That type of person would be number one. Type of two is like, look, just go get something to eat. <laughs> I know. You get, you know, the farmers always laugh at the hunters. I understand. You guys wouldn't be eating if it wasn't for us a couple thousand years ago. That's okay. All right, number three, uh, flexible, ready to change your strategy quickly. You're able to be uh, working in a flexible environment or you're very organized, purposeful, have a long-term strategy and they stick to it. So number one, you're fl somewhat flexible. You're always changing on a, a, on a dime's notice. Or number two, you're, you really like things orderly and, and working. Next one, uh, let's see here. Trying to speed things up. Uh, let's, let's go down actually towards the end because there's a lot of questions up here. Uh, you are bored by mundane tasks. You enjoy new ideas, excitement, the hunt, being hot on the trail. Or you're focused, this would be number two, good at follow through, tending to details, taking care of business. Uh, next one, you are willing and able to take risk and face danger. In fact, that's like really like exciting for you. Take risks, do dangerous things, don't know the conclusions to things, but you know, just wing it, just go for it. Or you're very careful before you make an action, before you make a decision, you think about it, you make your pro-con list, you have to weigh it out, you have to figure it out. That'll be your number two. Last one. No time for niceties when there are decisions to be made. Bada bing, bada boom. Let's get it done. Come on. Or number two, you're very nurturing, create and support community values, attuned to whether something will last or not. Okay? So that is just a little bit of a little thing here. Uh, and so uh, let's see, who are the... Uh, who, when you count them up now, you have more number ones than number twos? Who here, you're more of a number one? Interesting. Who here, you're more your number twos? All right. So we take a look at the church, right? Most of you guys are twos. Mario, you a one or a two? You're a one, yeah. Uh, so the, the ones would be considered the hunter. The twos would be considered the farmer, okay? Um, so those are some of the results. And so now, you know, you're like, what are we doing here? The number twos are just like, what is going on? Why are we doing this? Please, can you just like read another scripture verse from the Bible? Because this doesn't seem like a church service. And the number ones are like, oh, cool, I like this. It's like, where are we going with this? This is kind of exciting. I wonder how he's going to bring it all together. Like, what's going on? See, that's what's going on right now. I can see it on some of your faces. Here we go. The results. Even in this, uh, this, this room, uh, the farmers were more prevalent. There were more than the number twos in this, in this place. And that's, that's pretty indicative of, uh, of, of life. 
uh, there tend to be more people that are of this farming mentality, right? Uh, and so that's really cool. Uh, they like order. They like plans. You probably enjoyed school and going there and everything's nice and neat and isn't so lovely. But here is where result, it comes to the notion of the anxiety. If you are of this farmer mentality and you like order and plans, if the plan or the order is spoiled, the result is you default to some anxiety. But wait, we said we were going to do this. This was the plan, and now that has been changed. That drives you nuts. Wait a minute, the bills have come in, and there is not enough money yet. What is going on? This is not in order to how I have framed life. The hunter is like, whatever, you know, you're a week late, you're a week late, it's going to be fine. Like, you think they're going to come and, like, take our car away if we're, like, a month late, two months late? No, it doesn't work that way. It's fine. Don't worry about it. You want to go get something to eat? <laughs> what? And spend more money? Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. There's another deer around the bend. Don't worry about it. We're going to go get it. It's all good. Oh, man. The, the farmer is the one that's like, the bills aren't paid, what's going on? Like, everything's got to be nice and neat and orderly. Now, the hunter, which, you know, a lot of you like to make fun of us, it's okay. We can take it. Um, there are fewer people. I think I'm more of the hunter, but I'm not sure. I asked my wife. We did it, and I was like, a, I think on all the questions, I was like 6'4". I think it's the difference between the J and the P. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, the hunter, I think it's uh, fewer people, um, they like the spontaneity. They actually enjoy lack of order because it creates excitement. Life! Oh, this is cool! I don't know where we're going. There's, there's a fun to that. There's an, the, the excitement of the chase. You mean we're going out with a, with a bow and arrow with all the other hunters and we're just going to like trek it through the wilderness until we find a deer and then we're going to shoot it probably with the arrow. We're going to gut it. We're going to carry it on back. How fun is that going to be? And maybe we won't find a deer. Okay, we don't find a deer. Then we got to trek it back and I guess we got to fish. I don't, but that would be, be an adventure. Oh, right. Those people. So they dislike order, they dislike repetition because it feels like it creates a mundanity of life. Schedules. Schedules to the hunter is like, it's the death of me. Because it's feeling like you're boxed in. You're not free. I gotta do this. Everything is ordered, order, order. And, and so hunters have a, 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 have a tendency, have a tendency to be a little melodramatic. Man, we got all this stuff, and I have to play by these rules, and I have to do this. I just feel like a bird in a cage. I just want to be free. Can we just... Yeah, it tends to be a little melodramatic. But there's a power in both. The Lord has designed us, right, in different ways. And some of us have been designed to be a little bit more of the farmer, and some of us have been designed to be a little bit more of the hunter type. We need you farmers. Because you're the ones who create the order and the stability. 
right? You are the ones who actually plan for the future. You're the ones who are like, hey, we're bringing in the harvest. We're going to put it in the silos. We're going to be waiting and everything is good and we're ordered and we're, everything is safe. We need you. And you farmers, you need us hunters uh, because you need protein. <laughs> Saying you need protein. Now, you, you, you need us hunters because there is, uh, there, there, the, the hunter has, yes, a role of the spontaneity, but uh, the spontaneity is, is a way of going to the next place, right? Uh, going to the next level, uh, forging the next stream. You know, this, this valley is good, but I think there's an even more fertile one over the horizon, right? Uh, we need both of each other, and it's a very beautiful thing, but the, the, the reality here is we deal with the anxieties differently. And so if we just say, hey, do not worry, it's not going to do a lot of <laughs> help to you. You have to understand, are you a farmer or a hunter? But here's the thing. With anxiety, this is what it comes down to. In both scenarios, whether you are a hunter or a farmer, the source of your anxiety is this. The source of anxiety is really an imagination. It's an imagination. The farmer is concerned about what might be. It's not what is, it's what might be. There's an imagination. Well, there's a rumor that they're maybe doing layoffs at work. Your brain goes, well, if that's the case, the ground is not fertile. We're not preparing. We're not getting ready for the winter. We're not, oh my, oh my, oh my. But it's an imagination because it hasn't, it hasn't happened. Right? It hasn't happened, but your mind goes there because it's an imagination. Uh, the hunter is a little bit more weird and complex, I think, uh, in some regards, because uh, their, their source of imagination is their anxiety is coming from what they're experiencing now. They, they only see what's around them. They're not like, okay, today we have to be very orderly, but for crying out loud, tomorrow I'm going to have a little time to let loose. And so what I would argue here is the farmer is creating an imagination of what will be in the future, and the hunter type is creating an imagination of what the moment is. I'm not feeling good, man. We're just doing this boring stuff. I'm just stuck here. What's going on? But they can't just see, yo, man, like sometimes you have to do that tomorrow. You'll have some free time, right? You'll be able to do stuff at another time. Like you have to eat. Like the, the paint will be there tomorrow if you're painting the house, and you have to just stop and eat. Don't worry. It will be there tomorrow. No, all I see is what's right now. I can't conceptualize what's tomorrow. So I think the anxiety is a little different. But really what we're getting down to scripturally is the fear you have has been created by your own mind. It is an imagination. It is an absolute imagination. In fact, imaginations are false images. So, what has been said in the Word of God? Matthew 6, 34. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough issues. Just deal with today. Okay, I got that, Lord. Philippians 4, 6-7. Be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication make your requests known unto God. Okay, I got it. And you tell me not to worry, and you tell me to pray, But Lord, I'm still anxious. Has anyone ever been there? 
You told me not to worry. Okay, you told me not to worry. I'm trying. You told me to pray. Oh, I pray. But you still have some anxiousness. Um, and really what's going down here is because I think there needs to be more advice and more teaching on what's going on. And I think really unlocking the mystery of it all is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing and every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What we have here is a call to take every high thought every imagination and to take it captive and bring it to the feet of Jesus. And I think that's more than you pray. I really do. Because I've prayed and the anxiety is still there. I've been anxious. Um, imagination is a created image. The ideas we imagine or create are really new creations. They have a sense of being they are things that exist, and they didn't exist before. We imagine them. And so what I'm getting at here is this. When you start to have your mind go to a place of anxiety, of something that is going to happen that hasn't really happened yet, in your mind, you've given it power. You've given it an existence. It doesn't really exist, but in your mind, it really does. So when I tell you, just stop worrying... It's not going to necessarily work because in your mind, it is real. It's real. It didn't exist before, but you thought it, so now it actually does exist. So for me to say, well, you know, just don't worry about it, you can't because you see it in your mind. It has a power in a sense. But we know the Lord breaks every chain, amen? Here's the thing. If we listen to these imaginations... If we listen to these creations inside of our mind, I am telling you that they have become an idol. My Lord. And that's what it comes down to. We begin to listen to the thing that doesn't even exist, the worry, the concern. We listen to it and we begin to bow down to it. We begin to serve it. It begins to have power. Well, I'm not going to pay the bills. Well, it speaks to you. Your loved one's not going to come back to the Lord. It speaks to you. And you begin to listen. And when you begin to listen, in a sense, in a spiritual way, you begin to bow down to it. 1 John 5, 21 says, Little children, keep yourself from idols. Keep yourself from idols. We don't really have idols today. Like, no one here, in, in a physical sense, like, people don't, like, build a, a statue to some weird god and start bowing down to it. We don't do that today, like very few people. I know some people in some of the third world will do, but in the West, an idol has taken on a new shape. Right. right? The idol is no longer something that you can maybe necessarily touch. Sometimes it is, especially if it's a substance. But really, if you follow that substance and that idol, it goes back to a high thought, an imagination inside of your mind. I just need this substance to feel good about my life. Right? It's an idol. So, mankind is weird. 
We create problems to solve. Is this stuff making sense or not? Yeah, okay. A little different. I don't know. I feel a different vibe with preaching this night. Yeah, I just go. If you're a hunter, it's good. If you're a farmer, you're like, what's going on? The majority of people here are farmers, bro. So, so next week we will start like more liturgical. We're gonna begin. We're gonna begin in Matthew chapter one, and then the next week we'll do Matthew chapter two, and then next week we'll do. Good. All the farmers like praise the Lord. Um, I, I'm trying to get this to make sense because I feel like a lot of times when, when we are anxious and we're struggling with that, we, have, we may beat ourselves up. Um, humanity has actually been able to rise so well and has brought forth such amazing uh, things in civilization because of the principle of some sense of anxiety. Anxiety is, in some ways, an agent for problem solving. Like, why do you live in a house with centralized heat and air conditioning? It was a problem and anxiety that had, and then people tried to solve it. Why do you have computers? Why do you have cars? Why do you have airplanes? Because there were certain problems and anxieties that had to be figured out, and we figured it out. And so, in a very weird sense, difficulties... And sometimes becomes anxieties are means to progress. That is why we have the internet and we put a man on the moon. It's because man was like, woo, I'm cold, I need fire. And they figured out fire. And then they figured out other things. And it just... So it's very difficult because God actually created in us to be problem-solving people. Right? We, we are problem-solving people. It has allowed us to do what we've been able to do. It is a part of humanity's story. But the problem here is we're a little bit out of proportion today. Like, those things which were needed in the past to have a little bit of a chutzpah, or a little bit of anxiety, get you going, is no longer needed. By and large, probably 99.9% .9 of us in here are not worried about starving. Right? Now, maybe you don't have money to get ends meet, but you're not going to starve in this country. Like, you're not going to, like, be on the street starving in this country. Like, someone, somehow, a government agency, or us as a church are going to help you out. Like, you're not going to starve in the United States. Um, so, the thing here is we've been wired to problem solve, but many of our major problems of food, of rampant disease, of clothing, of shelter, of all that stuff, of incoming marauders, of Vikings and stuff, you know, all of that we don't have to deal with. But our brains are still going, 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 trying to solve problems. This is the old notion of, I heard someone who was very wealthy, talked to his wife, his wife was complaining about something, was all nervous about it. And the husband, I couldn't believe it, the husband went up to the wife and says, you know what your problem is? Your problem is you don't have anything really to worry about. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, holy cow. We actually don't have that much to worry about in the West. But our brains are so wired to figure things out that we construct things to worry about that really you don't need to worry about. 
Like, I have kids, my, my, the, the school district that I work for, like, there's an inch of snow on the ground. We're going to shut down school. Okay, well, here's a, a kids in, I think, Thailand, and this is how they go to school every day. They cross, like, can you imagine, like, sending your little kindergarten, like, all right, you're going to go to school today. You're going to cross this, like, raging river. And I actually took this. There's unbelievable websites out there, like, 25 most insane journeys to school. Like, they're going to school, man, and they're crossing over there. Like, they're crossing over mountain passes and stuff, like, 10, 10 miles away just to get to school. So what I'm trying to say here is that a lot of our worries, and I don't want to demean your worries, but a lot of our worries are, are things that if you were living in a different environment, they wouldn't be worried. Like, go talk to these people about how like, your, uh, your retirement plan's not going so well. You know? Yeah, tell, tell, tell people in Cambodia, little children are living in a garbage dump, literally. That like, you know what, you're having a hard time because, um, you know, your, your electricity may be shut off. Which is pretty hardcore for the West. Your electricity shut off. I mean, that, that, that's tough. Tough for us. You're living in a garbage heap in, in Kenya or in the Philippines or in India. Electricity, what is that? <laughs> so what I'm trying to say here is a lot of this is a matter of perspective. Right? If you're living in that type of environment, your, your, your concerns of what we have are, are not there. And uh, I was debating if I should, and I think I will. Uh, if we can show that video, I, I thought this was pretty powerful. There we go. We can switch it. So uh, I was a little I, in, in showing this. I, I, I didn't want people to think that was demeaning your anxieties. I have anxieties. I, I struggle with with anxiety at times, and maybe of a little different way um, than some of you because I think I'm more of a hunter. So th there's this notion like I, I things that you're like, why are you being anxious about this? I get anxious about. Um, but at the same time, I may look at you and be like, why are you anxious about paying the bills? Like, it's going to be taken care of. But my anxiety, um, you may look at me like, well, what, what, are you, what are you talking about, right? So I'm not trying to demean your anxiety because I know many of us deal with anxiety, including myself. But when you see kids in the third world talking about our first world problems, it kind of readjusts perspective a little bit and be like, even if, even if you're not paying your rent, because the money's not there, it, it's, it's still different. 
even if you have a terminal disease, it's different. Because it's an imagination. Death, even death, even the big C, even someone who's saying unto you that, no, I'm sorry, you have six months to live. You have one year to live. It's an imagination. Why is it an imagination? Because to be not present here on earth is to be present with the Lord. Even the anxiety of death is an imagination. It is an imagination. It seems to be completely real, but the scriptures say when you die, you actually are not dying because you have everlasting life. So even death, the biggest of all anxiety, is actually an imagination of your mind. If we have the worship team come on down. The do not worry part and prayer part are good things. But when you do pray, you have to speak forth to the imagination. Okay? You're anxious about something, you need to recognize that it's most likely an imagination. I'm going so full throttle that even if you are anxious about death, that, that even that is an imagination. That's how hardcore and how radical the gospel is. That we don't even have anxieties of death because it's not real. Think, just listen to that. The anxiety of death is no anxiety because it's not real. Death is not real. Death, where is thy sting? You're waiting for a son or daughter, a loved one to come back to the Lord. And you're like, they're not serving the Lord right now. And your mind starts to go to places. It's an imagination. It's an imagination. Because it hasn't been fully manifested yet. Your child has until their last breath declared the name of Jesus. Your spouse, spouse that has left you has until death to return. Amen. The bill that isn't getting paid for your house has until the sheriff comes to your house and pulls you out. Everything else is an imagination. And even with that, you have to stand on the word of the Lord. Where the truth is. So, this I think is going to help you whether you're a hunter or a farmer. I think this is going to be the thing that I believe is going to unlock, I hope, the anxiety. And of course it should be done in prayer. But I'm just trying to be real with you. I've been anxious and when you're anxious, one of the worst, in some regards, it's like, it's only makes you more anxious when someone says, oh, you're anxious? Don't be anxious. Doesn't Matthew say, do not worry about anything? You're like, you think I don't know that? Do you really think I don't know that scripture verse right now? 
all, all things work for the good that love the Lord are called. Thank you. I know that scripture verse, but you know what? Right now I'm anxious, okay? And it doesn't help me right now. Right? I mean, or am I just like on an island by myself? So I think this is it. To get out of this mess, I think one, you have to define your imagination. You got to call it what it is. When you define it as an imagination, it loses its power. This concern I have, I'm calling you out. You're not real. You're not true. It's an imagination of my mind. I'm calling you out as a high thought. And the Word of God says I am to take the high thoughts captive because of the blood of Jesus. So it's an imagination, it's a thought, and it's not real, and I'm not going to bow down to it right now. But in order to release that, you first have to define it what it is. It may be real in your mind, but it's not really real. Not yet. Not until they kick you out of the house. But by defining it as an imagination, it loses its power. You're confronting it. The next thing that I would suggest that you do is that you deconstruct the imagination. Okay? I have this anxiety. I'm calling it that. I understand it's a high thought. All right, now let me replace it, deconstruct it, on what does God say about this? What does God say about me and my situation in relationship to this? All right. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 13. You are the head and not the tail. Wow, if I serve you, Lord, your scripture says I am to be the head and not the tail. The head tells the body where to go. This is the notion where you're at work. You're in, involved in things and you are saying, look, I am a leader, not a follower. If the Lord is saying I'm the head and not the tail, I don't have to go begging. He wants to bless me, his word says. Psalm 37, 28, very powerful. King David, I was young and now I am old. And I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. I'm not going to beg for bread. The Lord is going to take care of me. All right, fine. Maybe, maybe I don't have my cell phone. <gasps> I may, maybe I don't have enough money for the bill for the cell phone. Okay. But he's not going to forsake you. You're not going to be begging for bread. Matthew chapter 7. Quite powerful. Matthew 7, verse 9. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who seek him? You deconstruct it, Lord. I'm not just a man, I am a son. I'm asking you for a job. I'm asking you to be able to pay for my rent. 
I'm asking you to be set free from certain things. Chains. But I know when I, when I, when I don't use the alcohol or if I don't use the drug that when I'm in the midst of it, anxiety starts to arise. That's the high thought. Jesus is going to say, oh, when anxiety comes, just come to me and get rid of that imagination. Get rid of that high thought. Because we get to see that it's just really an imagination. Number three, I think you also, which is the hard part, very hard part for some of us, is redefine your desire. Psalm 37, textbook on how not to be anxious. Psalm 37, it's a textbook. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as a green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I remember being a kid struggling with this. Well, I have certain desires, Lord, and you're not giving me the desires. How come I don't have it yet? The Lord was like, well, did you trust in me yet? Yeah, I've, I've trusted in you, but I still haven't gotten what I wanted. Did you delight yourself in me yet? Well, kind of. The Lord just downloaded to me this reality. When you trust in the Lord, when you dwell in His land and you delight yourself in Him, something happens. The desires of your heart begin to be changed. And your heart's desires get changed and it becomes His heart. And things that I wanted when I was younger in my heart, when I trust and I commit in Him, his heart becomes my heart. And I look down and I say, wow, I never thought that I would want to live in America in a suburban home and have a family and two kids. I thought I would be a hunter running around the earth doing the Lord's goodness. But as I trusted in him and I delighted in him, my heart began to be molded. Yes, I want you to get married. Okay, I want you to live in suburbia. Are you surreal? Yes. And my heart was just like, oh my goodness. I never thought 10, 15 years ago that my life would be the way it is because this is not the life that I wanted 10, 15 years ago. But when I trusted in him and I committed my way to him, his heart became my heart and I got a new heart. This is powerful right here. You need to redefine your desires. Say, Lord, I have desires, but I want your desires in my heart. What do you want? What? You really want me to do this? Instead of this, yes. And it may look totally crazy. What? You want me to give up this job and take a minimum wage job because that's your desire for me right now? Yes. But why? Because I'm going to work with you in that. Wait, you want me to go from working 60 hours a week to 30 hours a week and have to downsize my house and do all this stuff? Yes. Because I want you to have 30 more hours of proclaiming the gospel in the streets of Bristol. Okay. 
You want me not to pay $120 a month on a cell phone and internet? Because, but that's my desire. Yeah, but I don't want you to do that because my desire for you is not to be a slave to the internet. So lay it down, lay it down and go feed one of those kids that you just saw in a video because that's the Lord's heart's desire. Now, I don't know if that's what the Lord is speaking unto you, but I'm telling you, when you trust in the Lord, when you live in the land of the living and you commit your way to Him, something happens. Your desires of a farmer and your desires of a hunter get changed and they get molded into His image. So you want to be set free from anxiety, set free from worry. I am telling you right now, it's not just do not worry. It is, you need to define it. It is a high thought. Get out of here. Just get out of here. It's an imagination. Deconstruct that imagination. Lord, I know you said that I'm your son and your daughter. You're going to take care of me. And I do not have to worry about these things. Fine. Now, the hard part, you have to define your desire. Many of your desires is to have a big home. Many of your desires is to be able to go on fancy vacations. Many of your desires is to have a separate account to be able to go out to eat and to go to Starbucks and all that kind of stuff. I'm here to tell you before you, those are first world problems. And first world problems are not going to bring forth the power of the gospel. The world is looking for real eternal answers. And if you're focused on first world problems, you're not going to have eternal answers for the lost. And I'm telling you, if your desire and your hope is just for a bigger house and a flashier car and this, that, and the other thing, I am telling you, it in fact may not be the Lord's desire of His heart for you. Come on. I'm not saying for you to struggle. I'm not saying for you to lack. My Lord. But when you trust in Him, He may say, I want you to lay it all down and be a missionary in India. What? Yeah. You're going to have three pairs of clothes and you're going to be a missionary to India. Really? Oh my goodness. Or maybe less romantic is, you know what? You're not going to have a flashy house. You're not going to have all expensive things because I want you to humble yourself and I want you to live and breathe and work in Philadelphia and in the ghetto. You see, but I'm telling you, when his desires become your desire, something changes. I know you think I'm not. My desire was to live, breathe, and die in the land of Israel. That was my desire. That was it. Go into Gaza, preach the gospel to, to, to uh, Hezbollah. Yeah, let's do it. Go into the West Bank and preach the gospel and raise the dead for people that are ruled by Hamas. Yeah, I'm there. To walk down the streets of Jerusalem and go to an Orthodox rabbi and say, I have no gold, I have no silver, but what I do have, I freely give unto you. Jesus Christ is Lord. That was my jam. And the Lord was like, that's not what I want for you. What? I want you to go back to the school that you graduated from and teach high school kids. That's what I want you to do. What? And uh, yeah, you're not going to marry an Israeli you're not going to marry a Lebanese. You're going to marry a girl that lived five miles from you. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. And she's like your sister's like best friend. Okay. 
It's not what I wanted. But your heart changes. Your heart completely changes. When you trust, when you commit your ways to Him. Amen? Amen. Psalm 46.10, which is number four. You got to be in the present. This is very hard for some of us. You got to be in the present. I think this is this this may be well, they're all very important, but it's very important here to be in the present, not thinking about the future or not living in the past. A lot of our anxieties are what could be and not what are. Psalm forty six ten says, "And uh, let go, and let God." Exodus fourteen fourteen, as the Israelites are leaving Egypt. I, the Lord your God, will fight for you. You need only to do this. Be still. That right there is the absolute worst thing you can tell someone who is dealing with anxiety. Because what does anxiety want to do? Wants to fix it. Wants to do it. Come on. I just need some avenue to figure this out. But the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God who was yesterday, today, and tomorrow is saying, no, I want you to be still. Sit in that and allow the Lord to fight for you. Because I'm telling you right now, if you're dealing with anxiety and you're going to do it yourself, and you're going to fight it, and you're going to do it, I'm telling you right now, what's going to happen is next week and next month, there's going to be another anxiety. Trust me. You have an anxious thing that you want to solve, so you go out and you solve it. Fine. You didn't learn the lesson. Next month, there's going to be another anxious thing, and you're going to try to solve it. And it may get solved or it may not get solved. And then you'll go around that mountain again. And you'll go around that mountain again. And you'll go around that mountain again. Until you finally learn that the Lord is saying that when you have anxiety, that you are not to go out and try to fix it. You are to sit and be still in His presence and watch the Lord fight for you. And until you do that, next week you're going to have another anxiety. You're going to have another one, you're going to have another one, you're going to have another one, you're going to have another one because you're going to try to figure it out and you're just going to do it and you're going to do it and you're going to do it. But if I just do this, if I just get another job, if I just work a little harder, if I just talk to the person and I just confront, and you didn't learn. You get what I'm saying? Jesus. Define the imagination, deconstruct the imagination. Redefine your desires by the Lord's heart and then now you have to be in the present. You have to be in the presence of the Holy Ghost. That's it. That's the key. Be in the presence of the Holy Ghost all the time. I don't know if my bill is going to be made met. That's okay. That's the end of the month, the Holy Spirit says. Right now, just be in my presence. Just be in my presence and watch the Lord fight for you. Watch the Lord fight for you. He loves when His people watch and see him fight for them. Because when you fight for yourself, you're simply serving an idol. The imaginations of your heart and your mind. Perspective. Perspective. Maria came to uh, Millie and said, right now, her, 
her sister's friend? Her daughter's friend? Anna, your friend? Haley is in a coma, right? The girl's name is Haley or Haley? Perspective, people. She's in a coma right now. On a hospital bed. The doctors are trying to convince the parents to pull the plug. Talk about some anxiety. But Lord, I don't know if I have money to pay for... Your kid is on a hospital bed. In a coma. Doctors want to pull the cord. So we're going to pray. Father, we speak forth to the imaginations of our mind. We say they're high thoughts. Even death is simply an imagination. To be not present in the body is to be present with the Lord. The imaginations of our minds say, ah, it's a done deal. The doctors in the 21st century have become the new gods. They're the ones who determine when life begins and even determine when life ends. That's a high thought. Your word says that you are the author and finisher of life. Your word says that you are the great healer the great doctor, the great I am. And so we speak forth right now. Because of the blood of Jesus, because of the atoning work of the cross, we speak forth to that little girl as Jesus did and says, Talita Kumi, little one, arise. Little one, get up. In Jesus' name, little one, get up right now. Right now on that hospital bed. Get up. Get up. Let it be a testimony of the power and the glory of Jesus. Right now in Jesus' name. Healing in Jesus' name. Haley, right now we, 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 we speak to your spirit. We say, hear the words of Jesus. Hear the words of Jesus and be saved. Hear the words of Jesus and be saved. But hear the words of Jesus and say, Oh, let the lame walk. Let the dead be arisen. Right now in Jesus' name. calling forth for the hunters and farmers to come on down. The Lord is leading this service today. It is so apparent. 
He wants to deal with chains. He wants to deal with high thoughts. He wants to deal with imaginations. And he wants to set you free. And it's more than do not worry. It is about deconstructing this stuff. And saying, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried to solve these problems and I simply cannot solve them. That's when the realization of the truth of the matter is, be still and know that He is God. Be still and watch the Lord fight for you. If you have a chain that needs to be broken, anxiety, worry, depression, fear of money, you name it, it is time right now to be set free. It's time. Oh, Jesus. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. <laughs> Freedom. Let no weight, let no thing, let no burden bear you down. Not death, not life, not bills, not substance, not thoughts, not insecurities. Allow nothing to hold you down. Hmm. So for our guests, we have refreshments downstairs. We'll be down in a bit to come talk to you. But we want to open up a time for people to come down and just receive prayer to see chains be broken. Yes. Yes, Lord. Just pray for a brother right now. Just, Lord, come to him. Minister to him. Mm. Chains be broken in Jesus' name. Mm. Have a wonderful week. Let's please just keep the sanctuary a place of prayer, a place of worship. We will be here for you, to pray for you. But also please feel free to just stay in the presence of the Lord and allow your mind to be renewed by tearing down every high thought, every imagination that holds itself against the truth of the gospel. Blessings.